Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's the World Soccer Talk podcast, the only podcast that focuses on watching soccer on TV, online, and apps. Coming up on this week's show, find out why Twitch is being sued for $2.8 billion, reflections from this past weekend's NBC Premier League Fan Fest, how Turner's Champions League TV ratings are doing compared to Fox, is number 30 too much for Major League Soccer on national TV? Plus, we have letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kartik Krishnair. Now, Kartik, this is going to be our uh, Christmas episode or our holiday episode because uh, we record this usually on a Wednesday or a Thursday. Well, next week, it's going to be uh, Christmas Day and Boxing Day. Uh, Lots of soccer to look forward to, but we're going to take a break next week, but we'll, we'll be back the following week. Um, around about New Year's Eve with a special guest. Uh, more details to come about that. But uh, what about you, Kartik? So um, looking back at this past week, um, what was the what, the one match that stood out for you that uh, you enjoyed watching the most? That I enjoyed watching the most? Uh, I would actually say it was probably the Charlton Hull match on Friday in the championship with a, a dramatic late equalizer uh, for Hull. Uh, great old-fashioned uh, f- uh, English football. Well, the ground was pretty empty, maybe election day after the election hangover. Uh, those election returns, everything were coming late into the night. In fact, so late into the night, UK time. I, I, it was even late US time where I went to bed. Uh, before, I mean, it was clear that uh, the Tories would have a parliamentary majority, but they didn't have it at that point. So um, maybe that affected the attendance. But that was a wonderful game, ESPN Plus, Friday afternoon. Uh, there are some really exciting games in the championship. And round one football can still be exciting. I know it's not what football purists like, but this was just a knockdown drag out type, uh, lower division English football affair. I, I quite enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It reminds me of, uh, Everton and some, and actually some of the analysis, I think it was NBC, uh, ascended, uh, probably last week or the week before about Duncan Ferguson style in terms of just the, the route one football, you mean long ball from the back from the goalkeeper, you mean headed on by, by one of the strikers, and in the net it goes uh, onto the, the even the, the striker who knocks it into the back of the net. 
Um, yeah, I, I have a lot of. I, I, I know you do too, Kartik. I, you have a lot of appreciation for Route One football because it does work. It is effective, um, and it can really break up teams in terms of, of playing styles or surprise them. Now, from this past week, in terms of what was my favorite match to watch, this past week for me has been very unusual. So I went to the NBC Premier League Fan Fest. And this was the very first one I've ever been to. Uh, it was in Miami Beach. I was there Friday doing interviews with um, Rebecca Lowe, the two Robbies, uh, and then I think Saturday with Carl Martino. And I uh, was there all day Saturday, all day Sunday. And so most of the matches I watched were on the giant screen televisions or the monitors at the Fan Fest, uh, which I'll get to in a little bit. But in terms of the quality of football it wasn't it wasn't a very good premier league weekend by any means most of the matches were were lacking that technical ability to really um kind of have have them um, shine really so for the match for me the one that, the one that was the most entertaining was monterey against liverpool in the uh, fifa club world cup uh, semi-final on wednesday and uh i was surprised how competitive this was obviously uh on the tuesday night it was liverpool's uh, u23 side playing in the league cup against aston villa uh, live on espn plus uh in a squad for the liverpool where there was not one recognizable name the one name that uh, that most people would recognize probably uh, uh ryan brewster uh, who won the uh, England U17 World Cup. Uh, he was injured, so he didn't play. But uh, but the Liverpool game against Monterey, very competitive, very high level, good football, lots of chances back and forth. Uh, you could tell that both sides were going going for it. Uh, Monterey put in a really good effort. Liverpool, of course, getting a late goal, as they normally do. Uh, and now they're advancing to this weekend's final. Um, other than that, so I watched El Clasico. This, to me, was probably one of the most boring, uneventful El Clasicos I've seen in, in years. Uh, no clear chances for either team. Uh, it was um, very defensive. Um, no Antoine Griezmann kind of uh, lighting up the stage in this one. Uh, in terms of the commentary and, and the production, um, it was... I mean, e- even the crowd at uh, Camp Nou was um, mellow, very, very laid back, very quiet, even from the beginning of the game. Uh, Phil Shane and Thomas Rongen commentating this one. Uh, Thomas, I admire, but he is no Ray Hudson. Um, I mean, Ray, Ray and, and Phil worked together so well. Uh, Phil and Thomas, it, was, it didn't click as, as it, it does it as it normally does. Uh, and then BN Sports had their pitch side reporter in the studio. They had uh, Hope Solo, Gary, Gary Bailey, uh, and George Metellus. And uh, it was a very kind of understated commentary, a very understated studio performance, understated uh, game itself. Um, the big question is, is, where was Ray Hudson? Well, Ray Hudson was in Spain uh, as part of the La Liga experience, where La Liga... Um, has guests from around the world, uh, I think they enter competitions and they get to go to Spain uh, to experience La Liga. And Ray was this past weekend at the Valencia-Real Madrid game. Um, just It seems very unusual, though, for Ray not to be comment calling this one. Uh, I thought he would be a pitch-side commentator. He wasn't for this one. Uh, I, I don't know if this is Ray's decision on this one or if uh, La Liga came in and, and offered... 
a huge amount of money to have Ray do this La Liga, La Liga experience. Like, but it was not the same. But the, the, the game itself wasn't the same either. Kartik, anything else uh, that stood out for, for you from this past weekend? No, I mean, I guess uh, the, the very frustrating uh, Leipzig Dortmund match, top of the table clash in Germany, and just a, an awful match, in my opinion. I mean, again, very entertaining, lots of goals, lots of defensive errors, but a very bad advertisement for the Bundesliga. Uh, I think quite embarrassing, actually, how all three Dortmund goals were, uh, all three goals Dortmund conceded were uh, play, you know, the type of things that you would expect to see at the rec level, uh, UA, rec level here in the United States, you know, not at uh, uh, top of, of the Bundesliga. And, and this is a, a weekly occurrence with Dortmund. Uh, they don't necessarily ship three goals like that, but uh, uh, one or two a week that that are just unforgivable. Uh, and so uh, that was that was disappointing. And uh, also equally disappointing was that the match was on FS2. Uh, so that was uh, that was sad. Um, I, I, I think there's been um, it's been an interesting week to listen uh, to shows and watch the news because of uh, the Arsenal and Everton uh, vacancies. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, uh, listen to podcasts so th- th- and, and watch ESPN FC. And the one thing I wanted to note about ESPN FC is there has been increasing Bundesliga coverage on ESPN FC, the daily show during the course of this season, which I think we know what that's leading into next season. Uh, they seem like they're covering it a lot more than Fox who are the current rights holders are. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and in many ways too, with the Bundesliga, with, uh, Lewandowski, I mean, just, I mean, to me right now, the best striker in the world. And, uh, in terms of just the, the top end of the table, I mean, topsy turvy, lots of, lots of teams with chances to win the title. I mean, Bayern still, uh, quite a ways back there. So, um, so even if ESPN, uh, didn't acquire the rights, I would hope that they would, uh, focus a little bit more of their attention. But like you said, Kartik, I mean, we know why they're doing it. Um, and, and yeah, that's great. That's good, great news. Hopefully, it'll get uh, people all pumped up for uh, next August when uh, ESPN Plus does launch with the Bundesliga rights. In terms of the Fan Fest, um, this one, again, this is the first one I've gone to in person for the Premier League. And uh, the experience of watching this on television versus being there is completely different. Now, watching it on television, yes, it can be corny. Uh, cheese ball kind of just kind of silly at times uh other times it can be um i guess not exhilarating but it can, it can be kind of almost a re- reaffirmation or a confirmation of you mean if you're a fan of a premier league club look at all these thousands of other fans that that are very similar to to you or i uh, it almost feels like a little bit kind of a kind of a connection a bonding it feels like okay you're watching television going okay great there's tons of other people too that support my club or get get as passionate as i do about, about uh, my club uh, whichever it may be um in person I, I i much more enjoyed it in terms of being able to walk around um have conversations with uh, people at random you mean sheffield united supporters liverpool bournemouth you, you name it and i was pleasantly I, w- I was actually shocked <laughs> pleasantly shocked at the level of knowledge from just random soccer fans i talked to and how much they know not just about the top teams but even about the bournemouths and sheffield united's and watford's of the of the world um the players the background the stories uh which ones were injured and and that i was pleasantly surprised with and uh overall i thought it was a great experience i mean it was it was being able to it felt like I was with my people in terms of here's 
people, like-minded people with similar interests to me uh, from all different walks of life. Um, you had families there. Uh, you had, you mean, elderly there. You, you name it. That was, I mean, I mean, a ton of different different uh, things happening at this. Um, according to NBC Sports, which I'm still writing the story kind of as a follow up, but the official attendance was um, almost ten thousand people. Uh, for different games throughout the weekend, it was more packed than for other games, but it was a beautiful weekend, blue skies. Um, as a spectacle on television, I'm getting a little bit kind of tired of it, but in person, it was great. And, and uh, the next one now, I think uh, Philadelphia, it's going to be, I think, in March, I think, or the spring, uh, NBC is going to take it on the road to go there. Now, Kartik, I know you posted something on Twitter, I think it was on Saturday, actually, um, and I... And I saw the tweet uh, on your personal account and uh, it took off because there was a lot of people that agreed or disagreed with you. What was the what was the tweet or kind of the the uh, the gist of the tweet? And uh, what was your opinion about it? Uh, which tweet? I'm sorry. Yeah, it, um, it was uh, if I remember correctly, it was just in terms of just uh, I think Rebecca Lowe saying, OK, oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah. League so is, is the best, Lowe... best league in the world. Re- yeah, Rebecca Lowe passed. So this is. I think people misunderstood what I was saying. The one, uh, a lot of them. Although a lot of people understood what I was saying. I was not saying MLS that you can say MLS is the best league in the world, and uh, and that people say that. No, what I was saying was I was comparing. If Rob Stone is hosting a Fox uh, pregame show, and he says. MLS has really closed the gap on Liga and Mekis, and uh, and uh, MLS is right there now with Le- with with the Mexican League. You and I will, will will on this show rightly attack it because we'll say that's him editorializing an opinion based on the fact that they're trying to promote Major League Soccer, an opinion which empirically cannot be backed up. MLS teams have not been ha, – ha, there is no difference now uh, in, in competitively the top MLS teams versus the top Mexican teams uh, uh, until maybe this Atlanta victory uh, in in, uh, in the one-off match uh, a couple months ago. But prior to that, uh, since 2000, I mean the only time an MLS team has beaten a Mexican team in a CONCACAF final was in 1998. So if anything, MLS, the gap has – they, they were – if you look at it that way, they were equal with Mexico then, and they're not now. Mm-hmm. Um, Rebecca Lowe said a couple of times during this fan fest, the Premier League is the best league in the world. She didn't say it's the most popular league in the world. It's the most entertaining league in the world. That's, that's also an opinion. But um, uh, the most popular league in the world it is. Um, I think that's editorializing when you're presenting. Yeah, and I don't like that as a rule, as a general rule. <laughs> and and I think it's one of those things. Is like, what what does she value best as? I mean, is it the is best the most entertaining? Is best the combination of entertainment plus, um, I don't know how 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 competitive quality, I guess. quality or how competitive it is, or is best? You mean kind of from. Uh, team one through ten, team twenty in terms of, I mean the relegation dogfights and the the fight for the top four, whatever it may be. Um, yeah, no, Miami no. was also an odd place to say it because uh, I think most people in this community think La Liga is the best league in the world. And if you give a counter argument, and I've been in this position before where I've said, hey, you know, this year the Premier League is better than La Liga. No, it's not, and you'll get shot down. Um, yeah. So it, it was an odd place to do it also. Not, not that that has anything to do with the comment, but that was also just kind of strange because maybe it's also 
being so surrounded by people who uh, proselytize about La Liga. And obviously you talked about being in a few minutes ago and they're the rights holder for La Liga and they're based in Miami. So the journalists connected to them are always talking about La Liga. So it, it may, all, may also be the atmosphere I'm in. Um, but, but 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 in many ways, yeah, I mean, like South Florida, yeah, yes, definitely Barcelona and Real Madrid are the two biggest clubs in South Florida. Uh, beyond that, in terms of La Liga, you mean Atleti, definitely. But uh, but where does Atleti? I mean, what does that compare to? Is it the same number of fans in South Florida, or you mean any major metropolitan city as say I don't know uh, Tottenham Hotspur or? Um, but but that was the interesting thing, though, to being at this fan fest and seeing the amount of fans that turned out for different teams. So, for example, um, and I wrote about this at WorldSoccerTalk.com that goes into more detail, but there were very few, relatively speaking, in comparison to the other clubs, very few Man City fans. Uh, there were a lot of Arsenal fans that were pretty dejected after about 10 minutes <laughs> in this one. Um out of all the fans that attended over the weekend, um, number one was Liverpool in terms of, of uh, oh, in South Florida. That's South Florida. Uh, yeah, that's not that's not surprising. If there's any team that's comparable in, in terms of support uh, to Real Madrid and Barcelona, uh, it's Liverpool. Now, I think throughout most of the United States, the most popular uh, football club is Club America in most major metropolitan areas. Chivas may be second, and then Liverpool or Manchester United. Uh, here in South Florida, it's very different. It's Real Madrid, Barcelona, Liverpool. Those are the top three. Uh, no Mexican club in there. So that's not surprising at all that there were tons of Liverpool fans. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, lots of Chelsea fans, uh, lots of uh, Man United fans, uh, Spurs fans too. But uh, Man City was one, again, the one that I kind of looked at and thought, okay, this is a club that, uh, you mean, has won the title, um, has done somewhat well in, in, in Europe, but still hasn't... Uh, <laughs> Not really. Yeah, <laughs> I was trying to be kind. But, <laughs> but, but, but even if Man City, no, look, even, I, I, even I, if they won the Champions thing, League, I, I don't think be. there'd be a huge amount of fans turning out for them. I, I just don't know what... I don't know if it's the history or what's what's not making the connection there with Man City. They've come no, out Man here every C- okay. year. And Man City supporters are myopic. I mean, I've, I've got I've been piled on again this week because once you beat Arsenal, right now all of a sudden you're you're, you're great again. And people are saying, how could you say Pep uh, would leave before the end of the season? You're the only one saying that, which wasn't true. I mean, I think the the Guardian Pod crew basically agreed he'd be done by the end of the season if they started poorly, which they did, and um, etc. Uh, knowing Pep's history, but they do not seem to and they keep coming back at me this history we this is the most historical run in the history of any team in english football the points haul over the last two seasons okay that's fair but uh and i know what's on nbc is on nbc right that's the premier league and this is an nbc premier league fan fest but each of those two seasons manchester city was eliminated in europe by another team from england (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so in reality, in the biggest competition in the world, they weren't even the best team in England either season. So that th- to think that Manchester City would have a comparable fan base to Chelsea, would, Liverpool, yeah. Manchester United, Arsenal, those four clubs is, is probably very naive and very I, – uh, I just don't think it's possible yeah. until City does something in Europe and doesn't get beat by Spurs and doesn't get beat by Monaco in Europe. Remember, that was a few years ago. Right. I, w- yeah, I, mean, that was, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say comparable, but I would say that, um, 
there should be more fans than they are. I, I just don't know what the, the, the disconnect is with Man City. Yes, e- even if they win the Champions League, you mean, even if they mean miracles, they beat Real Madrid and go far in the tournament and, and win it. I'm still not convinced that there'll be tons of Man City fans. And I'm not sure what the disconnect is. I mean, they've tried harder than any other club in the United States from the Premier League yeah. in the last five years. They've been here every single summer, I believe. Uh, oftentimes even twice like at the end of the season and they'll come back for uh, tours for the ICC um, they've gone all out to try to capture this market and, and yes they have succeeded in bringing some fans in and yes they have I mean, probably the best social media probably the best website out of all the Premier League teams but it's just not happening it just I mean it's going back to the Bayern Munich against Man City game was it last year uh, the attendance for that or the year before in Miami was pretty low Yep. In in comparison to other clubs, and I guess the, and and that's probably the biggest difference too is in comparison to other clubs, the Arsenal's, Liverpool's, and you mean Man United's have had a, you mean probably what a ten year or fifteen year uh, head start, uh, Chelsea also too on on Man City, but Kartik, that's uh, I'll say one more thing about the NBC Fan Fest before we head on to the uh, TV news and, and streaming section. And that is that, uh, you mean, I, I would encourage anyone who hasn't been to one of these Fan Fests, if one is coming to your area, or even if it's not, is, is go to it. It's actually a lot of fun. I mean, it's uh, the bar opens <laughs> at seven o'clock in the morning. Um, and not that it's all about drinking, but it is a very fun atmosphere. And uh, it's also very unusual and, and great to see because you have all these fans mixing together. Man United, Man City, I mean, Liverpool, Everton, you name it. And everyone gets along really well together. I mean, it's kind of a unusual thing that probably, I mean, US and maybe Asia, I mean, probably two places where it could happen. But I mean, anywhere else, it probably would create, create riots and fights and all sorts of things. I, I enjoyed it. I had a good time. Uh, I would encourage others to, to check it out. All right, Kartik, let's move on to uh, the news and uh, TV streaming news section. Yeah, TNT's coverage of the UEFA Champions League group stage averaged 222,000 viewers per match, which is the best in more than a decade on English-language television and was 16% better than last year, and last year was substantially better than Fox had been the previous season. Following a record-setting first year, TNT's overall second season of UCL coverage has continued to deliver strong results with viewership 14% greater, including uh, the, uh, the, 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 the playoffs playing into the group stage compared to 2018. Yeah, two, two factors here. I mean, so um, as you mentioned, Kartik, it's uh, averaging 220,000 viewers for the group stage uh, on TNT. I guess the two factors are, one is that there are fewer games shown on English lang- language television than in the past uh, when Fox Soccer had the rights. And the other thing, though, too, is that I'm sure the FS2 numbers are um, brought down FS you know, Fox Sports' uh, average viewership uh, on English language television. Um, and TNT is in, well, I don't know, off the top of my head, I think I don't know, 85 to, to 90 million homes. In yeah, it's in more, more homes than any Fox network is. Yeah, so it's definitely... Except for Fox over the year, obviously. Yeah, so there's definitely some things here that kind of uh, skew it in favor of TNT. But still, I mean, the numbers are positive. They're, they're better um, than what they were before. And actually, even compared to last year's uh, TNT's number, um, it's, it's actually up 14%. 
Now, while I was in Miami, uh, did um, some some talking to different sources and and uh, in the business and and just trying to find out what's going on in terms of latest news from um, around the world of uh, soccer TV rights. Uh, and I found a few things that were interesting. So the first thing is is that uh, CPS have had talks to try to acquire some more soccer rights, uh, even to the extent of making inquiries about taking rights that are sub-licensed to them. Now, nothing has happened yet, although, um, again, there have been discussions. CBS is going around actively trying to see if they can uh, acquire more soccer rights uh, to add to their Champions League stable, which begins, uh, what, 2021. And, um, again, a lot of this is going to be, I believe, CBS All Access, uh, have for their streaming products and uh, adding more and more sports that, to that to encourage um, soccer fans especially to sign up to that service to have access to these games. No deals been uh, have been done in terms of um, these other rights, but um, that's one to keep an eye on. It. And, and they are active, so something could happen there. Uh, Copa America, uh, so we know that Euro 2020 is going to be in... Um, Across Europe this, uh, this this coming summer, with uh, ESPN and um, Univision having the rights to the tournament, Copa America is also going to be this summer too. And uh, as of the recording of this podcast, um, the deal has not been signed. There's still negotiations going on, um, but um, I, what I'm hearing is is that the amount of money that Conmebol is asking for the rights to this competition are pretty sky high, and uh, so I think a little bit we're in the stage of negotiating. We've got we're in the stage of uh, a couple of different rights broadcasters uh, that are interested, um, and kind of the back and forth to try to get to that final number and, and decide who's actually going to acquire the rights. The sooner that these are acquired, the better it is, so that uh, whoever does acquire them can start planning. Um, you know the programming, talent, etc. Uh, for the summer, it'll be here before you know it. Now, if you watched uh, El Clasico, one of the things you'll notice is that throughout the game, there was really heavy amount of uh, in-house promos for BN Sports Extra, which is their free, um, you know, no strings attached, free streaming service that's available on Roku. From what I understand, um, there's going to be some more platforms it's going to be added to soon, which is going to include Pluto TV which is a, a free streaming service. So keep an eye out for that one. Um, we'll have more information at worldsoccertalk.com once we get uh, all the details confirmed on that. And last but not least, Kartik, I mean, I mean this does raise an interesting question with BN Sports Extra, is uh, especially with BN Sports pushing this heavy, uh, big time. I mean, they could have had the opportunity to say, hey, contact DirecTV, contact Comcast, call call them and, and I mean, demand that you get uh, La Liga and Liga and etc. But they're pushing an in-house, um, well, they're pushing their own streaming service. What, what's your take on this? And, and um, what do you think this may imply? <laughs> I, I, I think we were speculating on this privately the other day. Um, I think that they're going direct to consumer. That's the only way they can do it now in this world of domination of Comcast, who they've had run-ins with, AT&T, who they've had run-ins with, and Disney, who um, 
are uh, who are also going to direct to consumer rock, quite frankly, with Disney Plus uh, and the bundle, which uh, I'm finding to be a great bargain for my family. Uh, that's not uh, that's not a plug, but that's just my analysis. <laughs> so, uh, so, but I think this is direct to consumer. That is the only way they can get around their problems with the cable system. So, uh, this to me is very telling, and that they spent so much time on El Clasico. During El Clasico, plugging it shows me this is the direction they're going in this country. Yeah, FAB and Sports, I mean, this is something that they're in control of. So they can launch um, this Beyond Sports Extra on different platforms. I mean, it's already on Roku. Uh, it'll be on Pluto TV soon. It'll, it'll probably be on some other devices um, and other streaming platforms soon. And it's something that they, they're in con- complete control of in terms of pushing out the content, uh, having maybe some uh, in-house, oh, some, some maybe original programming added to it. Um, what it doesn't include is... Um, Real Madrid games, Barcelona games, and Atleti games. Uh, those games featuring those three clubs contractually are only allowed to be um, shown on television. Uh, so, which is the reason why you won't see those games on Being Sports Extra. But you will see lots of League One games. You will see a lot of probably La Liga games that are, you mean, the secondary teams, uh, the smaller teams, which is there's still good quality there too. But like you said, Kartik, I think it's one of those things that they're they're seeing a lot of advantages to having this, and it's a way to really promote their coverage. I mean, it's a way that's free. Um, there's no registration required. You just boot up the app and just watch it and then, and I'm sure they're hoping that people will uh, get pulled in and say you know if I want to watch more of this or I want to watch Barcelona games whatever it may be let me contact my cable company or let me go ahead and contact my streaming company if it's you know Sling TV or whoever it may be all right Kartik two more items before we move on to TV ratings um, this one might be interesting to get your take on this one yeah, MLS announces Team 30, which is uh, Charlotte. Uh, again, uh, Garber says they're stopping or taking a pause for now, which maybe they are. Yeah, come on. <laughs> the quality level of the of the t- league is is has been diluted uh, through expansion. I think many of us agree on that. I, and not only through expansion, but I would say this week the number of midweek this year the number of midweek games with the new calendar. Uh, diluted the, the, the level from 20, 2019 was not as good the level as 17 or 18 in the league and it wasn't just expansion that did that did that uh, the big question of the week though Chris that's been out there is will MLS actually take this time out that Garber's talking about because they want to improve their TV profile and stabilize for a little bit as a TV product that's uh, been there's been a lot of educated speculation on that hmm. but what would that mean though too I mean so I mean, because it seems seems to be that, and we've discussed this before too, is that uh, most of their focus is on expansion. So, you mean, if you look at the MLS HQ, it seems that you know, I don't know, thirty percent of everything that they do is so focused. I mean, that the executives' time is so focused on expansion in terms of going to these different cities and meeting with the representatives and and and, and that side of things. That's such a huge priority. It does make sense, Kartik, I guess, in many ways to say, let's let's pause it there at Team 30 and let's go ahead and now focus on some of the, the other things that we need to improve upon, um, whether it's uh, TV deals, whether it's uh, broadcast quality production values, whether it's, uh, I mean, even number of television cameras in, in the, uh, a typical stadium in MLS. 
uh, and those types of things. Maybe it's looking at the calendar and looking, okay, can we make some changes that to there to improve the calendar? I mean, even the, the current se- the regular season, there's things we can do differently to make it more relevant. But I, I don't see that ha- happening. I mean, Garber said that um, team number 30, Charlotte, is going to be probably the last one in the modern era. I mean, what does that mean? Is that, that does that mean in this decade? I mean, like n- now we're going to go into uh, the new decade in January, and then you I mean the the engines start back back up again. I just don't trust him in terms of what he's saying, but just because he said this, I mean, different variations of, of this so many times before, where he's just supply and demand. He's just trying to create that demand um, and limit that supply and see those rights expansion fees go up from 325 million to upwards of maybe 400 million or, or plus plus that um i don't know it and it does dilute the quality of the league and it does make national television more difficult for mls because you know if you have 30 teams it's so diluted you I mean it's hard to kind of create something in terms of whether it's um I mean, rivals between different clubs, or it's. I mean, how many times are these teams going to be on television on national TV? Is it going to be like um, I don't know, Colorado Rapids that might be on national television maybe once during the regular season? I mean, I don't know. It creates a lot of issues, and with this league being at thirty teams, um, and very likely going into thirty-one, thirty-two, and who knows where it's going to stop. It creates more problems than it does uh, solutions, in, in my opinion. And Kartik, last but not least, in terms of the TV news um, section, and that is that Twitch, um, the streaming platform that uh, streams a lot of uh, video games and, and that type of um, kind of live content, has been hit with a $2.8 billion uh, piracy suit by a company in Russia uh, that has the rights to the Premier League. And uh, according to this uh, Russian company that has the rights to the Premier League in in Russia, there's been 36,000 alleged uh, cases of Twitch violating the rights agreement. And... um, I, I I don't doubt it at all. I mean, if I mean a lot, a lot of different streaming sites, especially I mean Twitch or something like that. If somebody has access to a game and then goes heads and live streams it onto Twitch uh, to an audience potentially of I mean hundreds of thousands of people perhaps from around the world, um, this is something that uh, I think the Premier League has to be very careful about. This is something that. Uh, I mean, especially especially if you're a broadcaster that's paid millions of dollars for the rights to have the Premier League, and then all the users are going to Twitch to watch it for free, that undermines the product, that undermines um, the, the company that, that has the official rights to it, uh, to monetize that. So, um, yeah, this one is definitely an interesting one, but $2.8 billion, so we'll have to wait and see uh, what happens there. Next up is TV ratings, and we don't have all the numbers, but we, we, we will do um, soon, and we'll post those at worldsoccertalk.com. Uh, the big one was uh, Arsenal against Man City, and this was on NBCSN and Telemundo on Sunday. Um, almost 800,000 viewers for this match. And um, looking at some of these other numbers here, Kartik, um, the, the Premier League Live number which was the uh, nbc fan fest uh this was on saturday from 12 to 12 30 um you mean at the end of those um 10 o'clock to, to noon um games but before the southampton west ham united game which was you mean 
yeah, it's of interest, but not a huge match. 311,000 people watching that. So people are definitely watching it for the highlights, but also watching it for the, the fan fest there. Um, Monterey against Al Sad in the uh, Club World Cup on Fox Deportes. 293,000 viewers for that one uh, on Saturday, which is a great number. Uh, it will be interesting to see what that number is for the Monterey-Liverpool game that we mentioned earlier. Any any other numbers there that stood out for you or of interest to you, Kartik? Uh No, I'm I'm waiting for uh, December 26th because I think uh, the Monterey, speaking of Monterey, the Monterey Club America match being uh, during the holidays, the so 26th and 29th, the two lives could do just a, a, a number we've never seen on American television. But uh, well, we'll wait for that. Well, that's that's the that's the tough thing though, because like the one that's on Boxing Day, December twenty sixth, is oh, that's on, the Fox, Fox one. one. That's on Fox, Fox right. Supporters. So, and yeah, as, that's I forgot. Monterey's rights, of course, are held by Fox. Yeah. The America leg, um, which will, will be, be on, on Univision. Yeah. so that'll be the one we have to look at. Exactly, which is the Sunday night game on Univision and, and Tudo Na. So that that one should be a monster number, as long as that first leg is still, you I mean, still competitive in terms of. Uh, you know, not not a six nil lead, but I don't see that happening uh, anytime soon. Moving on, moving on to listener mailbag. First up is Tim Keane, and Tim says after hearing Kartik going on and on about how good the Bundesliga is compared to the Premier League, I watched Borussia Dortmund against RB Leipzig, the top of the league. While there are there, there were lots of goals, the standard of play, especially the defending, if there was any, and the goalkeeping was terrible. I know, I, I now know why I watched the Premier League. <laughs> and and well, I mean the Premier League definitely has a lot of defensive mistakes too. Yeah, the Premier League has some horrible defensive errors all the time in that league, and and giveaways, and not really enough good build up possession play compared to let's say Spain. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you on this match. I mean, I I already talked about it in this show it was horrible. It was an embarrassment for the Bundesliga, a horrible adver- advertisement for the league. Uh, and Borussia Dortmund does this, right? I mean, this is the thing. This is why I want Lucien Favre gone so badly. Is I think that they don't even teach defending. Uh, they don't. There, they don't teach positioning at Dortmund specifically. Uh, we've seen Christian Pulisic improve his positioning sense uh, in two months under Frank Lampard, two or three months under Frank Lampard, uh, that he didn't get in that time under Favre. That things that he didn't pick up on, just possession uh, positioning without the ball, uh, and. Uh, Another thing I'll say about this game, uh, Tim, is that this is a classic Dortmund thing under Favre, uh, which started the second half of last season when they collapsed, blew an eight-point lead or nine-point lead in the league and finished second, and then this season also, where if they have a lead in a match, they just pass the ball laterally or they or they pass it back to their defenders, and then there's some sort of error, a bad giveaway. We saw two of them in this match that led directly to Timo Werner goals. Uh, so it was. Just, I, I'm glad you watched it because it'll tell you exactly why uh, Borussia Dortmund uh, uh, doesn't doesn't win anything, why they're a tease, but they they never get over the hump. Uh, if without making the judgments on the leagues themselves, I'm glad you saw it because you'll see. Maybe if you follow me on Twitter, why I complain about Dortmund once a week mm-hmm. at least next up is jp jp says thank you kartik for speaking the truth about the premier league i often find most matches unwatchable but can easily be sucked into a mid-table la liga Serie A, or bundesliga match i didn't think i'd watch nbc's coverage and marketing over the years even prior to nbc uh, they've brainwashed the, ca- the casual soccer fan in this country to believe the Premier League is the end-all and be-all of world soccer. Unfortunately, this is only going to get worse as all other leagues go behind the streaming paywall 
and out of the consciousness of casual fans. And La Liga is only shown on a channel most people don't even know about unless you're already a diehard soccer fan. Here's to hoping CBS has success with the Champions League and decides to build and promote CBS SN's uh, weekend coverage around something like Serie A or the Bundesliga, etc. in the future as a counterweight to the Premier League and NBC. And that was um, two quick things there, too, in terms of um, the Premier League and NBC. It's really, it, it is a match made in heaven because both of them are, are marketing machines. Both of them are fantastic at marketing their product. Um, so the partnership between the two of them is is you know, amazing in terms of how well they do that. Um, and then the other thing, though, too, is that uh, we spoke about this on the podcast probably in August or September, but we did a whole episode about how the Bundesliga deal with ESPN Plus was the best news for the Premier League because now that really kind of positions them for the English-language-speaking audience as, I mean, the go-to soccer league um, throughout the most of the season, especially in the mornings or early afternoons. Uh, I mean, later in the day, there's MLS games on. But so... Yeah, there's definitely some good points there from JP and uh, Kartik. You definitely uh, touched a, a nerve there among some some of our listeners. Next up is uh, Ricky Worthy. And this is in regards to last week's podcast where uh, I think it was Robert, one of our listeners, was talking about uh, MLS and, and uh, why we should protect these uh, billionaire owners or something along those lines. But Ricky says, MLS fa- fans are so protective of the billionaire owners because the fans, uh, through taxpayer money, are the ones who built the stadiums. Don't you know it's the taxpayer duty to pay for the rich owners' expenses? <laughs> There's something that could be like, you could have a, whole, uh, a conversation, probably a whole hour about that on some economy uh, podcast. Uh, Robert continues from last week and he says, I missed in my somewhat disjointed comment what really set me off protecting the MLS billionaires. There, <laughs> there is for sure some uh, crony capitalism in Major League Soccer as well as most of the rich here. Have you had time to read David Goldblatt's book? Uh, it's a very fine book. He says, The Age of Football. If- it just came in. I just got it in the mail today as we recorded, believe it or not, Robert. Yeah. So uh, I, I uh, am finishing John Nicholson's book, uh, which is uh, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about in, in future episodes. And then I'm going to pick uh, start uh, reading that one as well. Okay, cool. Yeah, I've, uh, I've, I've got some reading to catch up on, uh, on both of those books. Um, Robert continues, he says, uh, if you are concerned about leagues that protect billionaires, look no further than the Premier League. They have millions and millions to spend, and sometimes that makes for fine football. But as we have seen this year, sometimes that money only brings underachie- underachieving teams. In the UK, you have Russian oligarchs, uh, which I think means rule of, rule of thieves. Also money from... Uh, uh, despots in the Middle East and probably laundered drug money. <laughs> Even my favourites, Leicester's money came via uh, cronyism with Thailand's military dictators. In Italy, you have neo-fascists and maybe mob cash. Germany, due to the way the league is set up with mostly non-corporate ownership, is cleaner, except for um, Bayer Leverkusen, I guess it means, who got rich, yes, who got rich via producing poison gases and now owning Monsanto. 
So be careful when you step into a minefield. Please read The Age of Football soon before you name names. All billionaires got to where they are, not by being good people, but there are some truly low lives running teams in the Premier League. Thanks for your thought-provoking podcast. Now, Kartik, I, I, I know that you are uh, you got some things to say about this one. Yeah, yeah, I'm in agreement. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Bayer uh, buying Monsanto has been, uh, ended up being an incredible public relations disaster for them. And that that continues to, uh, um, to, to unfold. I've got a, a reading recommendation for you, although uh, maybe we'll – I'll give it now. Uh, can we have our football back? John Nicholson, who has written many, many books about football and other topics uh, and used to write for this site, used to contribute to the site uh, many, many moons ago. And a podcast. Uh, I would yeah. recommend you write that. You read that book. It's available on, on uh, the Kindle, It's available, which is where I'm reading it currently. It's also available uh, in paperback uh, from Amazon. Uh, I think you'll relate to a lot of what he, uh, a, a man who grew up on Teesside, Middlesbrough fan, mm-hmm. uh, and, and you know, acclaimed writer and journalist uh, has to say about the Premier League, uh, very similar to the thoughts you and I have. Yeah, and, and as a spoiler, Kartik, uh, we'll let li- listeners know that uh, our, pla- our plan is to have John on, on this podcast uh, for the New Year's Eve podcast and, and uh, around about New Year's Eve, uh, talking about this very topic and talking about... Um, a lot of it's based on television in terms of the way that the, the again, you've read the book, but a lot of it in terms of uh, how TVs and, and the TV companies are changing the way the experience of watching football in the UK, where the, the, the average football supporter is not the priority. The priority is the, t- the TV companies and the worldwide media. So we're going to get into that on that uh, podcast. Uh, listeners who are interested, uh, definitely check out his book. And uh, it's on Amazon and other places to maybe do some pre-reading. But what's the name of it again, Kartik? Uh, can we have our football back? Please. Okay. Please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Robert continues, uh, well, you two are not the only ones fired up. Saying the MLS is funded by a kind of charity via league fees. Why are the billions that, that fall from the sky in England not a charity? The way that money is distributed, uh, that the top teams get the most money and the bottom get less, guarantees that top teams stay on top. If this was re- reversed, then pro, uh, promotion relegation would be fair in England. Is the Premier League the best or the, just the richest? The fan fest of Premier League imperialism <laughs> by Austin and now Miami, uh, where new teams are forming. Is Nashville next? To, to not be totally disagreeable, the season length is a problem. There are many areas that need addressing in the new player agreement. The weather makes it hard to add games. This is talking about Major League Soccer at the beginning or end of the season. What Christopher said about preseason friendlies in warmer areas would be great. My big beef with MLS teams is that they do not play their best players during the main season friendlies. If they did, it may prove to Christopher that that they can do well against games with other leagues. I, um, I actually wondered about the, the the choice of Austin and Miami as uh, places for fan fest, consi- considering they're getting new uh, MLS teams. It, I, it may have been a coincidence. Uh, uh, they're both very international cities. They're, they're the, uh, Austin has the only Formula One race in the U.S., and uh, Miami is going to get the second Formula One race in the U.S. So there, there are uh, ties to, to British sport uh, if you if you look at it that way. I, I do believe the Premier League promotion promotion of it has a certain degree of imperialism. And again, maybe I'm the wrong person to. Speak 
speak to because I am South Asian. I, I have of Indian descent mm-hmm. and have a, a particular, maybe a chip on my shoulder about British imperialism uh, and Anglicization of of, uh, of, of uh, culture around the world. Uh, although I embrace it, right? I embrace the Beatles. I embrace James Bond movies. I'm, I'm very Anglicized in my own culture. But I do think after the loss of empire, there has been a certain missionary task undertaken by some British imperialists to push the Premier League in every corner, anywhere where the English is spoken, um, which is why um, when people came back at me about the fan fest and said, hey, it's because of U.S. soccer, MLS, is strong, is, the Premier League is so popular here. Any any country where English is widely spoken outside the United States, uh, excuse me, outside of the continent of Europe, you'll find the domestic league having some struggles because the Premier League is so popular. So it's not just in the U.S. Australia, you talk to the journalists in Australia, they mm-hmm. say the same things we say about it here. And then you could go, you could pick any number of right. countries. But yeah, Singapore, um, so- Malaysia, right. Singapore, Malaysia, absolutely India, mm-hmm. uh, the, you know, even to a certain extent in China, because they're the the um, the educated class knows English, etc. And any uh, African countries. Jonathan Wilson, this past week on the Guardian podcast, uh, pointed out the the attendances in Ghana and how they've gone way down in in the twenty years that the Premier League has been accessible on television there. So um, it, it's everywhere where English is spoken, basically. Yeah, I had no idea this podcast would be so political, Kartik. Uh, I guess this is the time of the season in terms of yeah. both in the UK and the US. Uh, next up is John, Average Geek. John says... Uh, or, or, or I've just been listening to the Guardian Football <laughs> Weekly pod too much because uh, Max uh, Rushton, who's the host, every week there's a political discussion. And when you have the likes of Glenn Denning and Wilson on there, it, it gets political. And they all have the same political persuasion, by the way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like there's a give and take, but they're taking shots at, at other aspects of the media or, or, or other uh, other uh, thought processes. So, so sorry, continue. It's all right. Uh, John Average Geek says, I don't like the protection Major League Soccer gets from U.S. soccer in relation to some. Without promotion relegation, every league in the United States uh, should be Division One. I like Germany, but find its ownership rules limited. But English and U.S. ownership rules are not perfect either. Also, for the MLS calendar, an idea, start the season in late July, same time as the UEFA Champions League playoffs start, go to mid-December, then start in mid-February after the NFL Super Bowl in domes, and then south, play until late May. MLS Cup should be around Memorial Day. Yeah. I like that. Next up is Raymond Orozco. Uh, Raymond says, uh, can you tell the executives at CBS that they should hire Bobby McMahon? Well, knowing that uh, a bunch of the CBS executives listen to this podcast, uh, Raymond, uh, you just did. Uh, J- <laughs> J- so. JP, okay. <laughs> JP goes on to say, um, he's back again with, with another comment. Uh, you guys briefly mentioned politics. Uh, well, now that it's known that Boris Johnson and the Brexit mandate has won once again, what impact, if any, do you think it will have on the Premier League if they are restricted in bringing in foreign talent or if it becomes more cumbersome, cumbersome, which European league stands to gain the most from Premier League's loss? Um, Okay, so a couple of things here. There was some hysteria after Johnson won on Thursday night last week that uh, that uh, he would finish uh, he would finish Thatcher's job as many said Thatcher tried to kill football football came back with the Premier League right it was still the the, the dying days of the old first division and uh, now Boris Johnson will put uh, a fork in uh, or put put a knife through football and that'll be it well no I don't think that's gonna happen okay and I, I don't think Boris is quite now 
you got away from the Thatcherite conservative party. John Major was a football fan. David Cameron, obviously, very prominent Aston Villa fan. Uh, Boris Johnson is probably not much for football, but I don't think he's going to go after it the way Thatcher did. Um, maybe I'm wrong. I know some people who, who hear me on this podcast who believe the opposite and have been telling me that this is it for football uh, will be unhappy with those comments. Now, on the foreign talent thing, this is much more serious and pertinent. My understanding from the people I talked to is that there will be a push by the home office to uh, bump the number, the minimum number of uh, players who have been trained in England or Wales before the age of 18 on Premier League rosters from 8 to 12. And as a trade-off, if the Premier League accepts that, they will be allowed to continue to sign players from the European Union without work permit even in a hard Brexit scenario, in the scenario of Boris Johnson's Brexit deal. Now, the Premier League does not accept that. There may be some restrictions put on um, – Put on, they may be able to stay with the eight, but then work permits would be required uh, for European – uh, for, for European nationals. Now, this would be catastrophic for mid-table and lower mid-table, uh, lower table teams in the Premier League, and I think the top of the championship. Because what you see is those teams, and you know this as a Swansea City fan, Chris, uh, really uh, have to go out and sign a lot of good European players, Dutch, Belgian, French players who are not regularly capped by their national teams, but are outstanding professional footballers. Mm-hmm. Now. For the Man Cities and Man Uniteds and Arsenals of the world and Chelsea's of the world, they will be able to sign players from the Euro- – any player they sign from the European Union is probably a player that's being capped regularly for their national team and would get a work permit anyway right. based on the 75 percent requirement uh, that you play in 75 percent of your competitive – of your nation's competitive matches over the course of the last two seasons uh, when you apply for that work permit or the club applies for that work permit from the home office. So uh, watch this space. You've asked an outstanding question, JP. Uh, we will probably be talking about this a lot. My understanding, again, is that there will be a push to move the number from 8 to 12, but then the trade-off would be the Premier League clubs would be uh, and the championship clubs would be able to continue to um, to sign um, players for uh, European nationality, European passports, uh, without a work permit. But uh, it yep. could go another way, and that could really hurt English football. Or the club side of English football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good info there, Kartik. And, and, and there's, a, there's a benefit of politics and, and soccer, having a knowledge of both of them coming together to answer a, a tough question. Uh, Michael Cowlin uh, has the last comment for this podcast, and he says, One aspect I love about watching soccer is exposure to leagues and players outside of the major European leagues. For example, I really enjoyed watching this past season's Copa Libertadores and the Copa Sudamericana on BN Sports and seeing the, cl- the top club teams from South America. Now I am enjoying the FIFA World Cup. Uh, our club world cup and seeing um however briefly the winners of the other confederation champions leagues watching flamengo play this week led me to wonder about streaming the brazilian league in the u.s i remember some time ago a report that a streaming service called fanfoot acquired the global rights but i cannot find out any other information do you have any updates on this it seems like it would be an important and attractive property to promote Thank you for your continued work in covering and explain the various ways to access streaming soccer content online. 
it has been invaluable to me as my love for soccer has grown in the past few years. Kartik, no yawning, please. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. Uh, we're almost done, listeners. But but uh, great question, Michael. Uh, Fanfoot went bankrupt uh, before they were able to actually stream any of the Brazilian League, which is really embarrassing. Left the, the Brazilian League in a tight, a t- tough spot. What ended up happening was that um, I believe it's uh, Premier... Uh, FC, so PFC has access to some of the games and those games are available on Sling Brazil so if you Google Sling Brazil uh, we've got a comparison actually on uh, worldsoccertalk.com a comparison of all the different Sling TVs available Sling uh, Sling Brazil is one of those uh, and it does offer that channel which does offer some of those games but not all of them that's your best bet so before Kartik falls asleep, we want you to have your say. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. And listeners, uh, I want to wish you happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Christmas, uh, no matter where you are in this uh, in this world. And... Um, We'll be back in a couple of weeks, so we're going to skip next week, uh, have some time to rest and enjoy the time with our families, and of course watch a ton of soccer. If you do have any questions though, seriously, let us know. We'd love to answer those out on air. We really do appreciate um, everything you've done for us in 2019, making this um, a very fun and enjoyable podcast for us to do this, to get, get you the information to you about watching the beautiful game. And uh, Kartik, before we go, uh, any last words uh, for the listeners? Yeah, thank you for joining us all year long. Um, thank you for making us part of your football experience. And um, any feedback you have, uh, give it to us. And, and uh, we hope that we can continue to be on the cutting edge of all this media news as this media space evolves and, and, and changes, constantly changing. And when we started this, uh, when we changed the format of this show uh, nearly three years ago now, I never expected that we would be uh, not only still on the cutting edge, but that we would have seen so many changes in the media landscape, soccer media landscape, uh, Turner, CBS, uh, some of the issues would be in, etc. So thank you for listening and and we'll be back with you uh, early next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I think when we started the podcast, we we wondered whether or not we'd have enough to talk about every week. And it's it's been the opposite. We've always got so much to talk about that it's sometimes difficult to squeeze everything in. So so again, listeners, thank you so much. And uh, we look forward to coming to you back after the the Christmas holiday break. And Kartik, uh, heading into another weekend of football from around the world, uh, what should they do? Enjoy your football.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 